I spent the last three years learning from some of the most ingenious mergers and acquisition specialists around. And now I've decided to take the leap into buying businesses. The real questions are how will I do it? How much of the behind the scenes can we really show? And how can business owners like you maximize their purchase price and build generational wealth? This show is going to give you the answers. Join me and follow along as I share mine and other stories as we buy, sell, or merge healthcare businesses and physical therapy practices. I'm Dave Kittle, and this is The Dave Kittle Show. Hey, on this episode, we're going to cover value-added support to hold your practice longer or exit for top dollar when the time is right for you. And I'm Dave Kittle. This is the Dave Kittle Show, and I am the practice owner of Concierge Pain Relief, Home Physical Therapy in New York City, and the CEO of the Fieldmaker Group. We're currently partnering and speaking with practice owners in the New York and New Jersey area in regards to a partnership or exiting some or all of their practice. Today, we have Anthony DeSena on the show. He's a physical therapist and the previous COO and chief development officer of one-on-one physical therapy, which then merged with JAG Physical Therapy and then became JAG One. And Anthony was along the ride there, helping the organization grow from one location to 100 locations. And now he is a deal guy, an M&A guy. He's helping support and help practices either grow or exit when those practice owners are ready. And you can learn more at AD Development. His website is addevelopmentcorp.com. We're going to get into all that more. Anthony, welcome on. Thanks for having me. Excellent. So in the pre-interview, we were covering your background, your experience, going from physical therapist to executive and much, much more. So let's give the audience a brief little background in terms of your history, where you went from staff physical therapist into an executive and managerial role, and then we'll kind of transition into how you help practices now. Sure, sure. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll try to keep it short. Yeah. So Anthony DeSena, uh, CEO of AD Development a New Jersey-based healthcare consulting company. So my journey started in Brooklyn, New York. I was a physical therapist um, working for a group called One-on-One Physical Therapy, which was owned and operated by my mentor, Rich Bodian. Rich took me under his wing when he had one location. I started with him as an aide, eventually staff physical therapist, helped him open his third location as a treating PT. We took that to partnership with himself and I, and the rest of our, our amazing team. And we grew that to 21 outpatient locations all through DeNovo. No acquisitions there. I don't think I even knew what an acquisition was then. So we just kept opening them up and, and serving the communities of Brooklyn, Staten Island, Manhattan. Eventually, uh, was able to take our company, merge it with JAG Physical Therapy of New Jersey, another really solid group led by another one of my mentors, John Gallucci. He was a man on a mission and, and had a great idea that if all this consolidation was going on in PT. Why should either of us sell to a strategic? Let's become the platform. So that's what we did. We came together, we took on an investor, and we went on a, a growth of a lifetime. So we were able to scale those about 40 clinics together to well over 100, you know, and went from more of an operational role as a COO to into the chief of development, doing a lot of MA activity and, and uh, acquisitions, but also supporting de novos and just internal growth as part of the C-suite and executive team. Um, really, really met some amazing people and learned some some really amazing lessons along the way. You know, eventually felt that I had done all the things I wanted to do in PT and decided to take a step back from that executive table and just kind of do something different and, and figure out what I wanted to be when I grew up, right? So what I decided was I realized that the clinician in me really loved just helping people 
and that there was so much consolidation going on in every industry, not just PT, that I could bring my skill set and just kind of my drive and hustle to more people by doing it this way. So started up this this company. I was kind of a one-man show out of my office in Red Bank, New Jersey, and really have run the gamut and, and worked with some really cool clients along the way. Some of them were, honestly, I helped them get through their exit and you know partner with a bigger company and a strategic. I had a really nice uh, partnership deal last year with a pediatric group in Old Bridge, New Jersey, a pediatric dental group in Old Bridge, New Jersey. You know, they were, they partnered with a big DSO and I was able to kind of run their process for them and, and take them to the end, which was really rewarding. And I still get thank you texts from them because I know they know it, it probably wouldn't have got done without me. And, and, you know, I, I don't want to ever sound as if I'm a pure deal broker because that's not what I am. I'm just an advisor that gets folks through, through the deal. There's a lot to it. There's an emotional component. There's a personal component. And there is, as I always say, there is a life after the deal, right? So it's not just getting the most value, which obviously we try to do that and want to do that, but there's so much more to it than just that that check size, right? But then we also have clients that are in pure startup mode. Insight Health is a great, you know, psychiatric group that we work with in they're based in the Cherry Hill, New Jersey, Philadelphia area. They're bringing psychiatric care to schools and to, you know, adolescents and adults in the midst of a mental health crisis. So this is a pure startup company that my team and I have been able to kind of inject ourselves into and, and build out some really cool standard operating procedures, help them expand with the Novo clinics, set up systems and set up just general operations, hire the team and build that there. So those are two very ends of the spectrum, right? There's the pure startup and there's the, the folks looking for their kind of exit plan and what they're going to do. And then in between, we have other clients that are, you know, they exist, they've been around and they just want to get better or they're, you know, they're already better, but they just want to get bigger and they need help with expansion. So we'll do a lot of buy side M&A work, being able to just help help them on their business development front, get them through some deals. A lot of groups were like the original one-on-one where all we did was the Novos and we never really, never really did any acquisition. So I've been able to do that with groups like Riverside Oral Surgery and, and some others where I'm, I'm their buy-side advisor. So it's been been pretty interesting running business development for different ends. And, you know, it's 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 humbling, right? Because you start as a, a lot... Look, a lot of... We said this in the pre-interview. A lot of people start as clinicians and then go into administration or executive world. And that's usually within the same field. I think it's really cool. And I'm, I'm really, you know, excited about what I've been able to do in really transitioning, right? Going from... PT to PT kind of exec to now totally different worlds, right? Dental or surgery, psychiatry, orthopedic, like just so many different things, dermatology, you know, and you learn that as different as all these worlds are, there's so many overlapping things and like where the pain points are for one practice of a certain size typically are the same, no matter what the, uh, no matter what the specialty is. So. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So let me recap a few things we did in the pre-interview in regards to some more topics, and then I'll let you take it in which direction you want to go. So a couple of things we talked about in the pre-interview for practice owners, transitioning from where you started to where you end can be very different. Then proper advisory is crucial to the growth and eventual sale of your practice, physical therapy and beyond. Or again, this could be outside physical therapy. We have interviewed dental brokers and dental roll-up executives here on the show. Third point, knowing the practice owner's overall plan is important. We'll get to that. And then number four, if we have time, what is going to happen to you, the practice owner, after the sale? So let me just set the tone there and then I'll let you take it. Great. Yeah. No, I think, you know, so let's let's start with one, right? Where you start isn't always where you end, right? So 
I have a good example of, well, I think I'm a great example of that, right? Where you start definitely is not where you end, right? you know, but it is right. In, in a weird way, it is because I'm back to helping people instead of helping patients. I'm helping the providers, which in turn helps the patients. So it's really cool to kind of see that 360 and, and come back full circle there. I'm, I'm really excited about that. There's a lot of, uh, you know how it is, you're a PT. So a lot of that gratitude you get every day, the thank yous and the, and the all you get from your patients, like to get that again from your clients is really, really exciting. And it's just gives you fulfillment in what you do every day. So that's a good example of that. But, you know, I'll give an example of one of my clients, Bodine Dermatology out in Long Island. He brought me on to help him grow to get to an eventual exit. That's where we, where we got, you know, kind of let's paint the house before we flip it, right? Let's clean it up. Let's get the house in order and then let's go run a process. And after a few months of really operationalizing the business, instituting some systems, bringing on some new people, repositioning people into roles within the organization that are better fit for them, he fell in love with his business again and decided he didn't want to sell it, right? He didn't want to go to market. He wants to just keep running it the way he is and just making that better. And then since then, there's a new energy in the office and we've since hired new providers. We're opening a second location hopefully eventually a third, we're opening some new business lines. And it's really nice when people think that they only have this choice of like, all right, I've been doing this long enough. It's time to go. I better get my money now before it's not there. Because I do believe that that's kind of how people are thinking now. And again, I think consolidation in amongst you know like-minded and similar specialties is very important. I think there's a lot to be had there and you can learn a lot and there's a, there's a, it becomes a better experience for the patient, right? But I do believe that people think that they have this really short runway of what they can do and where they can get the value out of their practice. And and to be able to do what I did in that example I just gave is is really nice, right? Like this is somebody who thought, I better clean this up and, and get the heck out of here after being there for 25 years. And then being able to breathe life back into it is to me, best thing that could happen. So now we grow it and we see where it goes. And again, maybe he sells it in a few years. Maybe he never does. Maybe one of his associates takes it over and he goes into retirement that way. I don't have a crystal ball, but all I know is my job is to make healthcare businesses better and make the docs and, and providers happier to go to work every day. And, you know, I've been able to do that. And um, yeah, so that's, that's a really good example of where you start is not always where you're at. That's awesome. So second point, proper advisory is crucial to the growth and eventual exit of your practice. What questions the practice owners ask themselves that you're aware of? Like, do they need an advisor or broker? You're not, but you're more on the growth side and consulting and and advisory side. Practice owners listening, watching, like what questions should they ask themselves? Like they need to check their network. They need to go on LinkedIn. They need to ask for word of mouth referrals. How do they get someone like you? How do they find someone else in their region where they're at? What are the questions or the ideas around finding that support? Or even maybe before that, like when do they need to acknowledge that they need some support and they can't do it all themselves? Yeah, no, that's a great question. I think it's, I'll say this kind of blanket statement. It's never too early to start thinking about what the end play is, right? Because maybe you never get there, right? Maybe you never sell it. Maybe you never do, but it's never too early to think about the process because the, the little things you do along the way, when you do eventually get to an exit, it can make a big difference for just the total value of the practice and, and just how smooth it is too, right? So it's not, again, it's not just the value, but the way you operationalize, the way you catalog, the way you organize things that if you were eventually going to go through a process, if you're organized and ready, it makes the whole process so much easier, right? People talk about this thing was a disaster. It was so much work. It was, you know, so many things that we had to do to get there. And then you see other practices who really 
kind of had their stuff together for the last 10 years or so. And it's pretty easy. They're like, Oh, you need this stuff. Like, here you go. It's all just sitting here in a Dropbox somewhere anyway, because that's how we run our business. So my point is, is it's never too early to always act like you're eventually going to sell it. Right. And just having it teed up. And I, that's advice I give to my clients all the time. So that's number one. I never think it's too early to get educated. Obviously the market changes quite a bit about what's going on and where the interest is of different things, but you never know kind of what, what the market's going to net. But overall, it's never too early to get educated on what a process looks like. What's the time going to look like? What is due diligence? Uh, how many buyers are we going to try to go out to? Is there a specific buyer? If that buyer is backed by PE or, you know, if you see where are they in their cycle, right? Is there, are they on year four of what was a five year hold? Because that changes things like your equity value and such, or are they kind of new and you're you're getting into ground level of the platform, right? So there's all these things that probably don't think about unless you've had to think about them. So I think that that early education is is super important. So bringing somebody on, there's never, I think, not really a wrong time to do it. Now, don't get me wrong. I've had people where they're like, yeah, come in and help me grow and let's operationalize this thing. And I'll take a look and they have a really great business, right? And if I can't add value, then, then I, I won't inject myself. I don't think there's, there's a reason to. And then hopefully, you know, when it's more of the sell, seller time, that's when they'll bring me back in. And, you know, there are people out there running really, really nice businesses. Um, but you know, that runs the gamut, right? So it's about where they are. But again, I, to answer the question, I don't think it's ever too soon, uh, to start picking the brains of, of people like myself or other smart people out there that are, that are doing similar things. Excellent. Excellent. Really great. Number three, knowing the owner's overall plan is important. So how do you help practice owners like that? How do like they're probably coming to you and maybe they want to sell and then you find out you were mentioning in the pre-interview, like you help the practice simplify things, go from complex to simple, go from inefficient to efficient, those types of things. And then they they realize like, oh, I actually love this. Like I, this is actually like where I meant my practice to be. Like if I, you know, if I could wave a magic wand, like this is where I would want to be, then they don't necessarily have to sell. So when you hear of this, this bullet point here, knowing the owner's overall plan is important. So can you speak on that? Yeah, um, I will. So I, I'll use the startup kind of world as an example of that, right? So is it, are you starting this because you want to grow this thing and this is going to be your legacy for the next 20 years? Or are you growing this thing because you want to sell it in three years, right? And we're seeing a lot of that now, which, you know, I'm not altruistically not too much a fan of, right? Like people just kind of want to start it, grow it, sell it sort of stuff. You know what I mean? But there is a different approach to that versus, growing it for long-term sustainability. So knowing where, what they want and where they want to go is, is pretty important, right? So I think that in engaging a new client, understanding what they want out of all of this is, you know, is key to, to my success and them, you know, telling their friends about me is really that, right? So if, if their goal is like, look, I want to get to certain number of locations and then sell. And then after I sell, I still want to stay on and work for five, 10 years. Like that's important information to know versus... Hey, get me the most money you can and don't call me ever again after this thing is done, right? Because those are, those are two very different scenarios that have to be treated as such. A lot of it from an infrastructure standpoint, right? Like how much are you investing in an executive team and IT infrastructure and all these things? If it's going to really be a, if you're not going to stay on and see the benefits of it and things like that, is it, is it worth the lift sort of thing? So just kind of understanding what they want to do with it is important. And personally, what they want to get out of it, right? Do you want to? Do you still want to work five days a week or do you want to partially retire and golf three days a week? Right. And, and really understand the client, their needs 
and where they want to be is really shapes how we shape the company, how we shape the deal. And in, in a lot of cases, shapes who we sell to, right? If you're a big enough group where you're selling directly to private equity, you're not selling and then and then golfing three days a week, right? You're there to get get the injection of of investment and support to then grow and, and do it do it more, right? Whereas if you're selling to a strategic, it's a very different scenario. So, kind of understanding where they want to be is really shapes it along the way. Awesome. Talking point number four: What's going to happen to the practice owner after the sale? How do you help them with that? Yeah, I think I think there's a lot that goes into. Like everybody gets really hung up on multiples and and total value and if there's equity role and all that stuff and that's really really important. Don't get me wrong, but I think that you know the employee agreement and the expectations of roles sometimes take a backseat to that. So I, I I always like putting that up you know forefront and really having a clear understanding of what what everybody's going to be doing after you know eight times out of ten it's nothing different than what they're doing now. They're seeing patients and they're, you know, helping manage and run their office with a little support from above. But sometimes that's different. Sometimes they're going to reduce the number of days and that's what this this play was. And then other people are going to have to step up. So I think it's important to know what they, again, going back to the previous question, what they want that to look like, but also what's realistic, right? I mean, very few companies are going to cut you a check and then say, you know, you never have to show up again ever, right? So it's really setting expectations around that for the client as well. Like I, I've been on the buyer side so much that I know what it's like to be there. And, and sometimes a seller's expectations, which in most of these cases are my client, you know, you have to, you have to level set there and just say, well, you know, that's, that's unrealistic. Right. And, and explain to them why. And I think most of the time they get it and they're, they're happy that that's the kind of advisory versus broker sort of scenario that I'm talking about and explaining to them that that's what it is. And, you know, I've lived life after a deal, right? I've I've lived in it and and done it. So to be able to be relatable and, and talk through that, I think is is pretty interesting. So, without mentioning any names or practice names, can you give some examples of scenarios where owners had more negotiation or more sway or more power in the negotiation to either fully step away? And and I, I'm assuming like a lot of it will depend on. If they already have staff in place, do they have a clinic director or a right-hand person in place? Do they have systems and processes in place? Do they have and or is the owner already out of patient care and then they're selling the practice like that versus if, if the owner is treating three, four, five days a week? And then the buyer, if that owner wants to get out, then the buyer is going to have to replace that revenue, that production, right? So can you speak to right. scenarios that you've come across where some of the owners don't have the negotiation power or the ability to get out or it'll affect their offer, the asking price versus the owners or the scenarios where maybe they're already out of the patient care and they have a lot more negotiating power in regards to what they do after the sale. Yeah. So I'll I'll use that example. I had a great client who was in the the dental space and eventually kind of got a partnership done for them, which was really cool and, you know, really fun and humbling for me to be a part of. But again, it was a really, really well run practice where the owner who was a a provider was no longer providing uh, chairside services, but was really running and, you know, with a support team and, and kept it there. And normally you would think for that, right? If you're the buyer, you'd be like, well, the owner's not around. He's not, you know, he's not treating patients like there's a value. But the, our point and our proof in the pudding there was, this is how the company had run for the last five years. He hadn't been seeing patients five years and we're still growing and doing the things that we can. And, and that was like, 
to prove out value and in, in through sustainability. I mean, there was no better example than that. So it was really great that we were able to do that because it was already set up in a way where, because there's most of the time it's the other way, right? It's the key man risk. Like, oh man, this person's the whole practice. Like he's judge, jury, and executioner. If he moves, moves out of the country one day, we're, this whole practice is screwed, right? So I think having it the other way and, you know, there's obviously always a, a leader in a company, but there is a risk to that. And sometimes if it's, too much weighted towards that one person, that founder, that owner, then it becomes becomes very risky to the buyer. So makes a lot of sense. What have you seen in regards to timelines where either when you were on the buy side or now advising your clients, obviously it's going to depend on the practice and the owner and, and what we just discussed, but what are you seeing in terms of common timelines of where the buyers want the owners to stay for X amount of time? for the transition, six months, 12 months, probably longer if they're, you know, intertwined in all the roles and responsibilities and maybe shorter amount of time or more flexibility in that amount of time. If the owner is already out of all the roles and responsibilities, what have you seen there? Yeah, no, it's a good question. So that's, that's a big part of like understanding what the client wants out of life after the deal. Right. And setting expectations with them that like, you can't just leave, <laughs> you can't just leave. You have to be around. It's also the right thing to do for the staff and, and transition. And look, let's face it. Most of the time there's some sort of earnout component or, or, you know, one to two year bonus that comes with this stuff after. So they want to be involved to answer the question. I've seen as short as a year. Most buyers would love three years, the minimum, if they could. A lot of big groups. I mean, some that I've worked with hope the seller never leaves. So you hope you get somebody like kind of so in the middle of their career that you get another 10, 15 years out of them. But there are other people on brink of retirement and looking to change things up. And, you know, so I'd say minimum of a year, three is probably the sweet spot. Yeah, obviously, buyers are going to want the owner to stay as long as possible. And the and the owner or the practice owner seller may be looking to get out as soon as possible. So it really just depends on the practice and, and their situation. Makes a lot of sense. Yeah, totally. All right. So those yeah. are the four talking um, points. What other challenges, common questions have you come across with your clients, your practice owners that you worked with or when you were with Jaguan in regards to any uh, challenges or complexity? Maybe it's, you know, sometimes it's just a lack of communication or miscommunication in from both sides, from the, the buyer and seller side. Is communication one of the, the biggest challenges or roadblocks? Is it, like you said, managing expectations? What are some common, you know, flaws or challenges? Yeah, no, I think, I think a lot of time what you see is, you know, especially like bigger groups that are used to doing a lot of deals and a lot of, you know, buying a lot of stuff. There's a system, right? There's a whole business development, M&A integration team that exists. And these are, these are smart people. Somehow I snuck my way into that team, but most of them are pretty smart people. And this is what they do all day, right? And now you're talking to somebody who's never bought or sold a business, who's trying to do this in between treating patients, in between dealing with family, in between dealing with life and just, it can become a different language, right? Like, you know, this deal stuff. So like, if you've never heard some of these things, it can become a little off-putting. And I think that people do get a little deal fatigue and, and freeze up a little bit. And that's why I think having been on that side and seen that, you know, now being able to, to help folks through it. And then I think it's a lot smoother. So globally, yes, communication is the issue. And I know from a buyer's perspective, having someone like myself or my team who can run point on the deal and get through this stuff during normal business hours 
because the seller is seeing patience, right? Like being able to keep the wheels moving all day, every day is very important before deal fatigue kills kicks in and, you know, time kills all deals, right? So being able to have somebody on your side to, to expeditiously keep your foot on the gas, so to speak, and keep things moving. And especially if that person kind of speaks the same language as, as the other side. And you kind of know you do from a negotiation standpoint, know how much rope they have to give on the other side too. You know, let's be realistic. I've been there enough to know. So I think that's the big part of it, right? Being able to communicate and, and communicate through the right channels. Because the last thing you want too as the seller is to be so disengaged by the process. Because the process, we've all seen it can beat you up. It, it's just exhausting at times. So, and then it's like, it becomes less less fun after the fact for integration. You know what I mean? It, it almost becomes like a you know, the joy of it is not there where it should be. So I think that, you know, that's another part of it is like really making the transition as smooth as you can. Um, and it, you're absolutely right. It's communication along the way though. Awesome. And I think, I think the other part real quick is, you know, there's an emotional human component to it, right? And that's kind of why I sure. jumped back into the seat, seat that I did to make it less of just deal, 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 and, and make people realize the true potential of what this can be, what it could be after the fact. And, understanding that having lived through it and, and dealt with it, like understanding that there's people connected here and there is a human component to it. So perfect place to pause and, and stop for now. Definitely seems like valuable and helpful uh, insights. So hopefully the audience likes that. If you do the audience, if you find this valuable, send this to a practice owner, a colleague, send it via text, email, send the link of the episode. We would truly appreciate that. Anthony. So in regards to practice owners reaching out to you, whether it's your website, addevelopmentcorp.com, website there, or LinkedIn, or email address. What's a good place for the audience to reach out to you if they like what they heard, if they have some questions, if they wanted to learn more about what you do? Yeah, no, LinkedIn is, is great through my website. You can just do a, you know, contact us page or, or book straight with Calendly, but, you know, happy to chat through LinkedIn. I'm on all the time and, and that's where it is. So, you know, just here trying to help people get the results they want, get their practice to where it is, whether that's whether that's sale or not, you know, I don't know. And, and we don't know what the right answer is until until we know each other. But there's a lot more options. I think my career proves that, that where you, where you start isn't always where you end. And what your plan A might have been can change 10 times. And uh, I'm just really happy to always be able to try to be a part of that with my clients. So, Awesome. Very well said. Great to have you on. Thanks for your time. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Take care now. Hey, it's Dave Kittle. Are you a healthcare business owner or physical therapy practice owner who is looking to figure out your succession plan or exit strategy? We might be able to help. And in fact, we may be interested in acquiring your practice. If you're interested, you can reach out to me. Shoot me an email at dave at conciergepainrelief.com. That's D-A-V-E at C-O-N-C-I-E-R-G-E, painrelief.com or you can call me at any time, 646-781-8884.